Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Antonio on this Reformation Sunday. Today is a special day because as we celebrate the Reformation we want to remember that the Reformation was a movement that took place in the 16th century to remind people that the freedom that God provides comes from the truth of the Word of God. So as we think about that I want to tell you a little bit of a story. When I was when I was doing jail ministry, when I was a pastor in Richmond, Virginia, I began doing jail ministry in Henrico County, in the Henrico County Jail just outside of Richmond. And I met a fellow named Tony McDonald. He was a chaplain who he had been himself a former inmate who had served a 20-year sentence in the state penitentiary. He said that when he was growing up, his life was so messed up that he didn't care where he died. In prison or in the streets, it didn't make any difference to him. He just knew that if drugs didn't kill him, that gang violence would. But then he told me that while he was in prison, he met Jesus Christ through a cell block Bible study. And for the first time in his life, he felt really free. Here's what he said. He said, Pastor, there are a lot of men in here who are in here in jail or in prison who are free on the inside because Jesus Christ has set them free from their sin. He set them free from their fear and their addictions, those things that got them here in the first place. But there are a lot of people on the outside who are not free. He says, I was free on the outside, but I wasn't free on the inside. But now I'm free on the inside. And I still know a lot of people who are free on the outside, who are not free on the inside. You see, there's a difference between being free on the outside and being free on the inside. On this Reformation Sunday, as we continue our series about Jesus' call to be his witnesses, we're now going to turn to a story about freedom. Because again, Reformation Sunday is about this movement that reminded us that the freedom that God provides comes through the truth presented in the Word of God. And our, our story today comes to us from Acts chapter 16. Now I'm going to read verses 16 through 24, but you'll see in your bulletin that the rest of the story through, page, uh, through verse 35 is continued there, but we're not going to read all of that, but I do encourage you to read the whole story for context. But here's what Luke says. Luke, the narrator of this story, writes this. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and Silas, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, turned and said to the Spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us 
as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, we know that this is your word, and we know that it is completely true and that it is given in love. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. The story that we have read and the episode it describes is about freedom and bondage. This story is about people in bondage. And it gives us an illustration of three types of bondage. The first is exploitation. Let's look at this slave girl for a moment. Luke writes that as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Now this girl is actually in a double bondage. First, she is in bondage to a supernatural demonic spirit of divination. That is a spirit that deceives people by giving them false visions of the future. It's a spirit that preys on people's hopes and preys on people's fears and desires. And it does all that to manipulate them away from the real God and his truth. It's kind of like social media. She is under the supernatural dominion of this demon. But I want you to look at this. She is also under the bondage of her owners. She is a slave. She is human property. She is controlled physically, and she's controlled emotionally, and she is manipulated spiritually. Now, her owners, they themselves are more than happy for her to be possessed by this unclean thing because people will pay them handsomely for the fortunes that she tells. Now, she is obviously more than just some strip mall palm reader or tarot card reader. She is a high-priced oracle. And they don't care that she's a slave. They do not care that her mind and soul are tortured with cloudy and false delusions, constantly telling her the most horrible and seductive lies about herself and the customers that she deceives. They don't care one bit that every day she is on the verge of a mental breakdown, crushed under the weight of anxiety and confusion. All they care about is that she is consumed by this spirit of deception and corruption and that she remains profitable for them. In a sense, she is a spiritual prostitute and they are her pimps. Now what's even more sad about this 
is that she is in a culture that not only accepts this type of spiritual slavery, but, but protects it. Some of her exploiters are supernatural, but others have flesh and blood. And no one is going to help her. After all, that would wreck the economy. It would upset the status quo. And so after Paul sets her free from this spiritual bondage, the girls, masters and madams, her spiritual pimps, are so angry that they have Paul and his team arrested, beaten, and thrown in jail. And that's then where we meet another victim of bondage, the jailer. If you continue reading, you'll see what I'm about to summarize. This story tells us that while Paul was in jail, while Paul and Luke and Silas were in jail, they began to worship and they began to sing and they began to share the gospel with the other people who were in the prison. And while they were singing and while they were praising God, God sent an earthquake, destroying the doors of the prison and breaking their chains. And when all this happened, the poor jailer, he was bewildered. He didn't know what to think. Now, people may ask, Bob, why are you saying that the jailer was a victim? I mean, how can the jailer be a victim of bondage? After all, he's the jailer. He's in charge of the jail. But as we read on in this story, we learn from the story that this jailer is as much a prisoner as the inmates locked up in the cells because he is in a prison of fear. Look at what it says in verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now consider this. This poor jailer, thinking that he is going to be punished for letting the prisoners escape, was about to take his own life when Paul and Silas called out to him. He was so terrified of his overlords that he would rather kill himself than face their wrath. Oh yeah, he was free on the outside. But he was not free on the inside. He's just like the character Javert from Victor Hugo's classic novel Les Miserables. He's the jailer who now lives in and manages the prison in which he was born. But unlike Javert, who was a prisoner of bitterness, this jailer is in a prison of fear. He was scared that at the least he was going to lose his job. He was scared that he might be tortured or killed. He was scared that he was going to end up on the other side of those bars that he saw every day. And you know what? He wasn't just scared for himself. He was scared for his family. What would his overlords do to them for his failure? What would become of them? His dishonor would become their dishonor. And it would ruin his whole family. But there is, paradoxically, one more group of prisoners I want to consider. And that is the apostles themselves. Listen to what happened to them. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them... They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. 
The apostles were prisoners too. They became victims of persecution. They suffered real physical pain, real imprisonment for standing as witnesses of Jesus Christ. Remember that the word that we translate as witness is actually the Greek word martyr. So here they are living out the full embodiment of what it means to be a martyr, to suffer for your faith. They suffered physically and became martyrs in the true sense of that word because they were willing to bet their lives on Jesus Christ. And what's interesting here is that we see the reverse of the jailer. Even though they are not free on the outside, they are free on the inside. And this is really the turning point of the story. Because this story is not really about bondage, it's about freedom. It's about freedom that we can see, and it's about freedom that we can't see. Like the slave girl, there are so many people in our culture who are in spiritual and physical bondage. We're all too aware of the issues surrounding human trafficking, pornography, prostitution. We're also aware of the culture of death that exists in our society right now, telling people that the choice of death is preferable to the choice of life. We all know people who are enslaved by addiction in various forms and under different masks. I want to talk about another one, a spiritual addiction. Right now, people are consuming social media, but they are not so much consuming it as they are being consumed by it. I wasn't joking about this earlier. They're not using technology nearly as much as technology is using them. Every day, they are listening to disembodied voices telling them that they are beautiful or ugly, sexy or bland, smart or stupid, woke or witless depending on what agenda the medium is pushing or product they are selling. They're exploiting their vulnerabilities, poisoning them with everything from gender confusion to political fantasy. And why? Is it because these exploiters care about people? Of course not. It's because they want their money or because they want their votes or because they just want their contact information. What they really want is their allegiance. They exploit their insecurities, their fears, their loneliness, their restlessness, and their needs, all for the sake of their allegiance. They tell people, you will be special if you do what we say. And by that, they just put them in a bondage to a new type of conformity. And it all begins with the big lie, the spiritual deception That all this, that it's acceptable. That this is tolerable. The spiritual bondage of the heart and the mind, it's okay. It's just harmless or it's just business or it's just politics. And these really come down to personal choices and problems. She was in spiritual bondage. And so are lots of people now. What about the jailer? Well, there are other people And we all know them, perhaps we are them, who are people who are in bondage to their own fear. Fear for their security, fear for their reputation, fear for their health, fear for their comfort, fear for the acceptance of others, 
fear for their own identity. I mean, again, here was this jailer. He was free on the outside, but his whole life was controlled by fear. So how did Paul and Silas and Luke act as witnesses to these people in bondage? Well, let's take the the case of the slave girl. What did Paul do when he saw this slave girl in bondage? Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. Please understand, this is not saying he was annoyed with the girl. He was annoyed with the spirit. This thing that was following him around, trying to distract people, trying to confuse people. But what did Paul do? Paul recognized the spirit of divination. He recognized the spirit of deception and called it for what it is. And they declared freedom through the power of and the name of Jesus Christ. Now, there is a power in the name of Jesus that we do not comprehend, that we do not understand, but that we better, that we better trust. It's a power to break chains, a power to break bonds that we don't even see, a power to set people free in ways that we can't even understand. It's a power that will be unleashed whenever we invoke the name of Jesus. Because his name, even though it might be slandered, even though it might be ignored, even though people might try to distract us from it, it cannot be ignored. Even Jesus' critics can't get away from talking about him. And we read in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, every knee that is over the earth and under the earth and on the earth, will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. So what did Paul do? In the name of Jesus, he declared freedom for this woman. You see, no one is ever going to be set free from spiritual bondage as long as we just go along and get along with exploitation. We have to call evil evil, And hold up the truth as the truth. People need help to get free. To be free on the inside, people in bondage need people on the outside to help them. Desperate people need courageous people who will say enough is enough. Enough abuse, enough deception, enough addiction, enough exploitation. No more. We like to say that it all comes down to a person's personal choices, but sometimes to be free on the inside, a person needs help from the outside. And that is what Paul gave to this slave girl. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But later Paul said this, he said, how are people ever going to be saved if no one tells them the truth of Jesus Christ? That's what Paul did for this girl. In the name of Jesus, he set her free. There's so many people who have just accepted the bondage of guilt, of fear, of worthlessness, of shame, of addiction, of perversion, of confusion, of sickness, of loneliness and anxiety. They've just accepted these things as normal. But those spirits and those exploiters that keep telling them that this is just the way it is, it's never going to get any better, you don't deserve any better, 
They are thieves who want to keep people in bondage so that they can keep on exploiting them. They've been blinded to the promise and hope that God has for them. That's why Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. By declaring the truth of Jesus Christ, by telling people about Jesus Christ, we can help people to see the reality that God became one of us so that we would know that he really does care and he really does understand what's going on in our lives and what you may be going through right now. We do it to declare that God really does love us and that Jesus Christ suffered and gave his life on the cross to prove how much he loves us. We declare the, we declare the truth of Jesus, that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and has the power to make a difference in our lives now and forever. And we declare that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. That he has a place for you at his table and a position for you on his team. Your life is not meaningless. It is not going nowhere. It does matter. And when we declare that to people, it sets them free. But they didn't just declare the truth of Jesus Christ. They also lived freedom through the power of Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas and Luke were true martyrs. They did really suffer. And yet, if we look at this story, they are the happiest, most joy and hope-filled people in the whole thing. Look at this. It says in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everybody's bonds were unfastened. The early Christians didn't just declare the love and truth of Jesus Christ. They lived the love and truth of Jesus Christ. They really believed that God created them. And they really believe that God is in control. They really believed the gospel. And they lived like they believed it. They didn't live a just-in-case lifestyle. That is to say, they didn't believe in Jesus just in case it's true. Or they didn't do things their own way just in case Jesus wasn't real. No, they were 100% all in with Jesus Christ. They lived with courage. They lived putting others' needs before their own comfort. They They lived by putting others' freedom before their own safety. And by putting their trust in the Savior who raises the dead over even their fear of death. When we live with courage and compassion in the face of exploitation, in the face of fear or persecution, we are showing people that we really believe this stuff. We're showing them that we are willing to bet our lives on him. And you know what happens? It gets their attention And it raises their curiosity. And their lives are changed. Like I said, this is really the turning point of the story. Because this story is not about bondage, it's about freedom. 
It's about freedom that we can see and freedom that we can't see. Paul and Silas and Luke, they could have escaped from the prison. But that would have cost the jailer his life. And so rather than leave, rather than escape, they stayed for his sake. These guys were different. Their compassion for him was greater than their fear of suffering. And when the jailer saw that, that courage and compassion, he knew that whatever it was that they had, he wanted it. Whatever it is. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Freedom comes from believing in Jesus Christ. Now you see what it says there. It's not just believing Jesus or believing him as an intellectual exercise. The word believe here is translated from the Greek word pistuo which really means trust. It doesn't mean just to believe and to intellectually acknowledge that something exists. It means to believe in, like to get into something, like I'm going to trust that this plane is going to take off and land at its destination, so I'm going to get into it. I'm putting my life in the hands of this pilot and in the hands of this plane. I'm believing into it. That's what they actually literally are saying. Put your life into Jesus and you will be truly free. Trust Jesus with your life and you'll be truly free. And what we see from this story is that their witness set people free. First the slave girl and then the jailer. Now, like I said, today is Reformation Sunday. Tomorrow, October 31, much of our culture will be focused on candy and trick-or-treating and things like that. But we as Protestants, we need to turn our attention to something that happened in 1517 when Martin Luther nailed 95 theses, 95 propositions, all dealing with one thing to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. The one thing that they all related to was the idea of repentance, that, that what it takes to find salvation in God is to turn to him, to put our trust in him, to turn away from the things that usually distract us and just turn to him. But we remember the Reformation because the Reformation was about freedom through the truth of the word of God. You see, Martin Luther lived in a time about 1,500 years after the episode that we read in the Bible this morning when the church had become corrupt. Rather than teaching a gospel of freedom, they were using the gospel as a tool of manipulation. They were using heaven and hell as leverage to make people do what they wanted to do. The, the church had become rich and powerful and didn't want to lose that. But then Martin Luther, this monk from Germany, actually began reading the Bible and he saw that, that salvation didn't come from rituals but through a relationship with Jesus Christ. He saw that God does not hate us and does not sit upon his throne as a vindictive judge, but rather that he hung on a cross in mercy to prove how much he loves us and that we don't have to pay for salvation because Jesus Christ has already paid 
for our salvation with his own precious blood. And so the Reformation is all about the fact that Martin Luther and the Reformers declared and lived the freedom that God gives through the gospel. Luther discovered the truth of God's sovereign love and grace in his word. And when he discovered it, he wanted to declare it to the whole world. Beloved, we are called to be witnesses to the freedom that God offers through the gospel. Our call as witnesses is to declare freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Where we see exploitation or persecution, we have to speak out against it. We don't set people free by going along and getting along. There is power in the name of Jesus, power to break chains. And when we declare the name of Jesus, and when we declare that people, men and women and children, are made in the image of God, redeemed by a Savior who gave his life to save them, then the demons panic. And the exploiters tremble. And people will be set free when they know the truth of God's love and his power to make a difference in their lives. But that's not all. Our call as witnesses is to live free in the power of Jesus Christ. That means that we ourselves have to stop conforming to the values of the culture. And we have to stop chasing after the idols that distract and divide us. We need to live as free people, like people who really believe this stuff, who, who really believe that God loves us, that he is actually in control, and that what he allows, he redeems for our good and his glory. We have to really live like we believe that he knows what's best for us and that he cares about us, and that whether we live or die, he is holding us in the palm of his hand. And so whether we live or die, he is holding us. So the question I want to I ask as we conclude this morning is, what's holding you in bondage? You know, Jesus Christ has called us to be his witnesses. And he wants us to tell the world about what he's done for us. But before he would ever ask us to be witnesses to others, he wants you to know that freedom for yourself. Because his freedom is not just for other people. And it's not just for people back in the time of the Bible or people back in the time of Martin Luther. It's for you right now. Let me ask you this. Are you free on the outside? Are you comfortable, secure, doing well in your job? But maybe you're not free on the inside. Jesus Christ, he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from anxiety, from social pressure, from conformity, from abuse, from oppression, from exploitation, from addiction or loneliness. He wants to set you free from any kind of fear you may have over sickness and death. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him and you will be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ. Put your life in his hands. Bet your life on him. And he will set you free in ways that you can't even imagine. 
I can promise you that's true because I've experienced it myself. So how do we tell people about freedom? What do, we, what do you know or what do we need to say about this message? Well, first of all, we need to declare freedom to each man and woman that we meet. And we need to live free in the power of Jesus Christ. How can we declare freedom to the people who are exploited or persecuted? And how can we live in freedom so that when people look at us, they say, whatever it is that they've got, I want it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there are so many of us who have been free on the outside and are not free on the inside. And maybe there have been seasons where we have been free, but we've slipped back into those old chains and old jail cells that used to once haunt us and hold us. Lord, we ask you, first of all, to, to set us free from any chain that might bind us, and then, oh God, we ask you to help us to declare freedom to others and to live free in the power of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen.